0: Hi guys, it's Lindsay Pinchuk, host of Dear Found Her, and in case you missed it, I recently made a huge announcement. You've been telling me for months how hard it is to wrap your head around marketing your business, and a few weeks ago, 89% of you told me in a survey that you needed help. Between finding time, being consistent, and simply feeling burnt out, it's nearly impossible. And I want to change that because it doesn't have to be. You can now join my brand new community and group mentorship, Marketing Made Simple for Small Business. You don't need a million followers or a million dollar budget to grow your business. What you do need are the right tools, a process, step-by-step guidance, and a little bit of support along the way. Consider it an extension of your company, your very own marketing department at your fingertips while you're working each and every day. When you join, you'll have access to three monthly live group strategy calls with me access to Ask Me, your marketing questions within our community, ebooks, guides, checklists with step-by-step instructions, and a community of women business owners to collaborate with, bounce ideas off of, and to support you. And let me tell you, based on who has already joined this group, you are all in for a treat. And in 2024, I'll be bringing in guest speakers and I'll introduce a whole host of additional resources to support you. The doors are open and founding members will be grandfathered in to the lowest pricing ever offered. Plus, when you join at the annual or lifetime level, you get a big bonus, hour-long one-on-one strategy sessions with me. The link to join is in the show notes, or you can simply go to www.lindsaypinchuk.com. Get excited. I am. I can't wait to work with you and to help make your marketing simple to build and grow your brand and bottom line. Happy 2023 and welcome to season two of Dear Found Her. I'm Lindsay Pinchuk, your host, and I'm beyond excited that you're here to kick off another amazing season filled with conversations, tips, tricks, and lessons from the most successful female founders of our time. I hope you're ready for so much more from Dear Found Her this year. From a bigger community experience to live events later this year, Yep, you heard it here first, live events later this year. We have so much more coming your way. And all throughout the month of January, we'll be celebrating big as it's Dear Founder's first birthday, and we're giving you the gifts. We have two awesome prize packages filled with some of our favorite female-founded products from companies such as Jones Road Beauty, Apotheke, Ray Wellness, Legally Addicted, Rebel Daughters Cookies, and more. You'll have two chances to win, one on the Dear Founder Instagram account and the other by submitting a rating and review on the podcast app, screenshotting it, and submitting it through the form that's linked in our show notes today or at www.lindsaypinchuk.com forward slash birthday. If today's conversation inspires you, which I know it will, I want you to share it with a friend text it to them, or share it in your stories on social media. Tag Lindsay Pinchuk. Tag Dear Found Her. You know I'll come say hi. You can also leave us a review on Apple or subscribe to the show. All of these little actions, well they might be little to you, are huge to a show like ours because all of these actions help us to get discovered. When you leave a rating or review or you share the episode, it helps to spread the knowledge and wisdom that we share here. It helps our community to grow. And most important, it helps our mission to support as many female founders and entrepreneurs as we possibly can. I cannot thank you enough for being here. I cannot thank you enough for listening. I know that you have so many options when it comes to podcasts, and I am so grateful that you choose to listen to ours every single week. So, Are you ready for me to introduce you to today's incredible guest? I know you are. But before I do, I just want to share with you how this interview came about because a lot of you are asking already. So you see, I had this bucket list last year of guests, and a lot of you have heard me talk about it on social media, I'm sure. But I had a bucket list of guests that I wanted to interview here on the podcast. And after I heard Bobby Brown on Guy Raz's How I Built This in the summer of 2021, I knew that I wanted to interview her, but at the time, I didn't even know that I was going to have a podcast. It was really that interview, as you'll hear me talk about in today's episode, that pushed me to come up with Dear Found Her. You're going to hear me talk all about why I wanted to bring Bobby on in just a few minutes. But truthfully, I tried all last year. I reached out to her via DM a couple of times. I asked some mutual connections if they could reach out on my behalf. And then fast forward to the Wednesday of Thanksgiving. It happened to be my birthday, and as my family drove home to my childhood house in Detroit, I did a QA and a on Instagram. My friend Leah Rosenfeld asked me who my next bucket list was for the podcast, and I shared in my stories that it was Bobbi Brown and how her story on how I built this had such an impact on me and on Dear Found Her. So I went to the bar that night to celebrate my birthday with all of my childhood friends, and when I walked out and got into the car, I opened up my phone, I opened up Instagram, and... Bobby had shared my story with the comment, "Um, okay, just DM me. And so I did. And here we are. Talk about an amazing birthday present, right? I always say that you're in control of your own destiny. And if you want something to happen, you have to put it out into the world. And that's just what I did to make this conversation today happen. I am so proud of this episode, and quite honestly, I'm still processing the fact that I had one of the women that I look look up to most in business sitting right here with me as if it were the most normal conversation in the world. And you know what? It was the most normal conversation in the world because that's Bobby Brown. And as you listen all the way to the end, you'll hear Bobby pay me the compliment of my career. I was in such shock and we got it on audio, so you'll hear it, but it was a definite pinch me moment if I ever had one. So I hope that you enjoy the first episode of season two of Dear Found Her as much as I enjoyed creating it. Welcome back to another episode of Dear Found Her. Today's guest really needs no introduction, but it's incredibly important to me that you and Bobby know why it means so much to me to have her here on Dear Found Her. On my last day as an employee for the company who bought my first company, I closed my computer for the last time, and within minutes, I had a physical reaction to the relief that I felt. I talk about it often. I was in the middle of a phone call. And I had to hang up pretty abruptly. I called my husband into my office and I blacked out. And not one day later, as I drove my kids to their Jewish overnight camp in Michigan for the summer, I happened to press play on the re-release of Bobby Brown's How I Built This Episode with Guy Raz. Within minutes, I was hearing Bobby describe the feeling of relief that she too felt on her last day at her namesake, Bobby Brown Cosmetics, as she went down the elevator for the last time. And as I drove down I 94 towards my hometown of Detroit, tears streamed down my face as I nodded along with so much of what she said. Both Jewish Midwestern girls who dialed down the mastheads for their first jobs, Bobby also talked about building a business while growing her family, the promise that Leonard Lauder made to her when she sold her company that she was going to be able to still be in charge with nothing to worry about. She talked about how it felt going back to being an employee, how She isn't a follow-the-leader type of person and was probably really annoying to the company who bought her. I can say a lot about that. She talked about what it felt like to walk away and how it was okay to do so because it wasn't her company anymore. And the most important notion that she shared was that she just wanted a fulfilling life and she had zero regrets. And in my life, I have never felt so seen Founding and building a business is a lonely job, but selling one even more so. And while I didn't walk away with multiple millions of dollars, I too have never felt regret about the sale of my company. And it was in that moment in listening to Bobby Brown that I knew I had to start Dear Found Her so that others could feel seen too when hearing these stories. And I knew that one day I would share hers. So without further ado, please help me kick off season two of Dear Found Her with the one, the only Bobby Brown. Welcome, Bobby. I'm uh, so grateful
1: that you're here. Oh, I'm. it's my pleasure. And I'm, you know, for those of you guys that don't know me, I mean, unfortunately or fortunately, everyone in Chicago probably does. You know, I, I'm sure <laughs> this you is a much, national
0: podcast. It's a global say, I'm podcast. sure you
1: have a bigger reach, but I'm sure you have a giant reach there. You know, this this came about because I saw an Instagram story that you posted. <laughs> and where you said my dream guest, I have one on my list. It's Bobby. And, and I happen to see it. And I'm like, all right. Call me. I so
0: appreciate it. And I think it's just an example because a lot of people have said, how did you get that? And I've had some really awesome guests on the show. And I think people just assume that I have these connections and how did I get it is exactly how you said And it's just asking and putting it
1: out there in the world. So thank you for being so receptive. And you just never know because it could have been a time where I was overwhelmed, didn't see it, wasn't in the mood. It was a time where I was relaxed. I saw it and I'm like, okay, it was, it was also really my heart- birthday. oh it was very it was honestly very heartfelt the way you the way you messaged it messaged it about me, so that's why I said yes.
0: Well, I meant every word, and oh. I do mean it. And I was oh. literally in hysterics listening to this episode because wow. it is hard to do what you did. It's hard to do what I did, and a lot of people don't understand it. So I felt really connected to you in that moment of sharing, and thankfully, my kids were on their iPads and they didn't see me like in hysterics mm-hmm. while I was driving. So um, I'm so grateful that you're here. And I really, while I want to talk about your history and we'll get into that. I do really want to talk about obviously Jones Road, which I'm a huge fans of, fan of, and I, I'm so intrigued by that story and how you started it. But let's start off by sharing your story. Tell us a little <laughs> bit about how you got into makeup, how you started Bobby Brown Cosmetics, when and why you sold
1: it, and then we'll get into the Jones Road story. Okay, so I have been <clears throat> you know, interested and obsessed with makeup my entire life. Growing up in Chicago, my mom was 21 when I was born and she was just gorgeous and glamorous and she used to always do her makeup and put her high heels on. And I, I was never a glamorous person. Like my whole life, I tried on things and if it didn't fit, I didn't do it. But I looked at my mom and I played with her makeup and then I went to, you know, I went about my business. I went to college. I followed a boyfriend. Basically my second half of senior year of high school, I went to college. We all transferred me and a bunch of my friends to University of Arizona. And it was fun, but it was boring. It was not for me. And I came home and announced I wanted to drop out. And my mother, um, who was, you know, never worked, uh, you know, after I was born and an amazing mom, Said to me, What do you want to do? And I said, But mom, I don't know what I want to do. I told her I wanted to drop out. I didn't want, want to go to college. And she said, Well, think about what you would do if it was your birthday and you could do anything you want. And I said, I want to go to Marshall Fields, which I think now is Macy's, unfortunately. Yes, it is. Um, and, <laughs> and play with makeup. And I said, She said, All right, great. Let's go to beauty school. I said, I don't want to go to beauty school. She said, I'm sure there's a, found, there's a, a school somewhere. And we found Emerson College. They did not have a degree in makeup. They had something called an interdisciplinary program. And all that really means is you get to make up your major, which I did. I majored in makeup. I minored in photography. And I had to go out looking for the different things to to learn and, and get credit for. And by the way, now I would call it entrepreneurship, because what is entrepreneurship? Just making shit up. Oh my god! Without a doubt, making making shit up. So
0: after college, you go to New York, you become a makeup artist, and you find this need to make a lipstick, and that is how you started Bobby Brown Cosmetics. And I think you know, there's this notion, right, with a lot of entrepreneurs that we start things because we need them, and that's how you started Jones Road as well. So. I'd love for you to kind of get into that and how, how and how and when you knew it was time
1: to start Jones Road. <clears throat> well, first of all, you're talking about probably 40 years. You know, Yes, from I know. And I... I, and I know there's a
0: huge timeline here. Well,
1: It, it kind of all leads into each other. Yeah. So I moved to New York. I waitressed for a year. So I was able to support myself. My father did give me a gift. He paid for my <clears throat> he paid for my rent for a year which was the best gift after college. So I freelanced. I figured out what it meant to be a a freelance makeup artist because there were no jobs. I knew I wanted to do makeup, you know, either in movies or TV or fashion. I started with fashion and I never left. So I built a portfolio. I asked a lot of questions. I looked up people in the yellow pages and just, you know, figured, again, figuring shit out. And I put together a portfolio. I eventually started to get hired. You know, it's a day here and there for magazines. And so much of of my career is is connecting with people. Now they call it networking. (laughs) And it's also just being myself and just being the one that is happy to do anything that needs to be done. I brought the models water. I held the, the card under their face so they had good lighting. I did whatever needed to be done, even though I was the makeup artist there. And it was the 80s. And at the time in the 80s, the makeup was all, like so overdone and contoured and not, a, not pretty. And I started doing makeup my way to make people look healthy because I thought people looked better when they took their makeup off. So I didn't realize that I was going against the grain at the time because I'm not a rebel. I don't try to, you know, to be a rebel. I just kind of do things my way because it makes sense. I started blending people's blush on their cheeks instead of contouring. I started looking for a foundation that was the color of the skin, not 3 shades lighter. So all these things eventually turned into, you know, I was known for being a natural looking, a natural makeup artist. So there was no makeup on the market and I figured out how to to mix and blend things to get things to look natural. And at the same time personally, I just hated the way I looked in makeup. I hated the way I looked in lipstick, especially. And I used to figure out how I could take a brown, like a taupey eye pencil, my pinky blush and some Vaseline or whatever balm I had and make myself this lipstick that eventually I met a chemist and I told him what I was doing. And he said, oh, send me all this stuff. I'll make it for you. And this freelance chemist made it for me. And that's how I launched the first lipstick. It's time that you stop
0: marketing and start standing out. I'm Lindsay Pinchuk, the host of Dear founder and I've been growing brands for nearly 25 years, but I've forever used one method to build my own brands and that of my clients and students and to make every single brand I've touched stand out. And now with my brand new workshop, Ignite Your Brand, Make Yourself Stand Out, you can have access to the exact process I use for myself and my clients And you get me coaching you along every step of the way. My signature sweep method utilizes social media, your website, emails, events, partnerships, and publicity to build connection, engagement, reach, and growth among your community. The proof is in the process, not in what you post. Creating a holistic strategy with actionable steps is what will make your brand stand out in the long run. And guess what? Once we build your plan it will cost you nothing but an hour a day maybe 90 minutes seriously using my sweet method translated to some very real results for clients last year and i want to share a couple of these with you my first client in a 90 day period increased her engagement 636% and her followers over 11% versus the 90 day period prior she received 300% more client inquiries during this time frame and a second client she saw an 85% increase in reach, a nearly 300 percent increase in engagement, and a nearly 400 percent increase in post-interaction. Through an influencer partnership that we created, she received a thousand new followers and 1,400 new email addresses in just five days. I've been building brands for over two decades, and now I want to ignite yours and make it explode many of you have asked when my workshops will be offered publicly again and registration is live for ignite your brand make yourself stand out in 2023 we already have some signups and an amazing start to a cohort classes will be live with me for eight weeks starting at the end of the month if you miss a class no worries you'll get access to the replay every class will have an actionable homework assignment designed to build your marketing strategy and put it into action Are you in? Are you ready for some results like this? The registration link is in the show notes. And if you have any questions, please make sure you reach out. I hope to see you in the classroom. One of the things that I love about your story, just in general, is just how resourceful you are. And every single thing that you talk about is, you know, I built my major. I mean, who builds their major? I would have loved to have built my major. You built your major. You dialed down the masthead. You left voice or not even voicemails, answering machine messages because it was the 80s. I mean, there's all of these things. And I, and I think that that is one of the biggest traits that entrepreneurs need to have, but don't always have. And I would love for you to touch a little bit about resourcefulness in terms of entrepreneurship, because I think that it's just so important to point out that it is okay to be yourself and make those calls and put yourself out into the world if I hadn't put myself out into the world, we wouldn't be sitting here
1: right now, Mm. you know? Yeah. It's, but it's kind of everything. It's like, I don't necessarily go against the grain, as I said, but I'm like, huh, that makes sense. Why don't we just do that? Like I'm someone, I'm a natural problem solver. Like when, when someone presents me a problem, I instantly have a solution. And, and by the way, and I figure out how to Get it done, and if it doesn't work, I'm like I I figure something else out. So I'm 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 a, an upbeat, positive person, which I think you need to be honestly to be a good entrepreneur because things do fall apart, they fall through the cracks, they mess up, and instead of feeling bad and you know being and and owning that, I just like okay, well that didn't work. Let me pick up the things and figure out what to do. And by the way, I did that those same things raising my three sons. Because, you know, you're a working mom, you come home, everything's a mess, there's no dinner, something's spoiled, kids are cranky. If I didn't, like, get my shit together that second and figure out how to put a dinner on the table, because I'm not I'm not someone that kind of thinks ahead all the time, I, I, I it would be a mess. And I figured out how to make a great one-pot meal in, like, literally 10 minutes.
0: How did it work for you when you had to go be an employee and you were going against the grain?
1: Well, it was so amazing because I was 34 years old. I had two kids. I was still living in the suburbs of New Jersey. Um, I had a car service. So I had someone that, you know, a driver would drive me. I was going to this very big, you know, office and it was still very small. Like Estee Lauder, who bought the company, was still small there was, you know, when we sold the company, I don't think we had a dozen employees. So it was all new for me. It was so exciting. And Leonard Lauder was the most incredible. He was the CEO then. He was the most incredible leader. He believed in me. He loved. He encouraged. Then eventually there was another CEO who just was always grateful. You made your year again. You've done so well. And honestly, that, those were the magic years. And that was the beginning. So, I got to experience things that young people don't get to experience invited to these like galas at the museums and sitting at Leonard's table, like meeting all his friends like all this stuff happened, and it you know my husband and i we we loved it all, you know we loved it all in the beginning well, in the beginning,
0: and that's that's I think the key here is in the beginning and what happened when it wasn't so great, and when you and when you, they you know you had to make decisions that were not necessarily what you wanted to do. I mean, I felt a lot of pressure when I was back in corporate America and I felt like I was compromising myself often after the sale of my company. Did you feel that? Did you did you feel that feeling? You know, I mean, it
1: was icky. Well, first of all, when we sold the company, um, I signed a five-year, uh, you know, employment contract right. and I kept renewing it. But then I was going to three years after a while and then two years. But I stayed after we sold the company. Twenty-two years. I don't know very many people that no, I don't. have done that. And honestly, <laughs> I believed until the end that I still owned my company, even though I didn't, because that's the way that that's the way I am. And, and I cared about all the things. And then I it really took my ninety. I think now she's ninety-one, Aunt Alice. She was probably eighty something at the time. She, to call me up and say, Bobby, it's time. All I do is hear you tell me how bad it is and how you're going to fix it. And it's time. Do something else. Figure something out. And honestly, finally, I just said, you know what? It's not working anymore. But it wasn't just, you know, bad for, for five minutes. I mean, it was tougher and tougher, tougher. And then it got worse. And then it was just frustrating and everything You know, I knew what to do. I knew what I believed in, but there was it really was a very big corporate layered company. So you couldn't just do what you wanted. So
0: other than what Ann Alice said, how did you know it was time to leave? Like how how did you make that break? I think that break is the hardest that you probably made in your
1: whole life. I mean, I I it's giving up your baby, it's your namesake. Right. And well, you know, it was not a planned thing. It was a discussion and it was, you know, we, it was, it was, it was just time, you know, on both sides, it was just time.
0: So after you left and you're no longer going into the city anymore and you're home, I'm sure you weren't doing nothing. I'm sure you you were keeping busy, but what was that emotion like just not going into that office every day you had been going into that particular office for 22 years. And prior to that, you were
1: working on your own. What was that like? Well, it was really odd because as you know, you mentioned in the intro, the first thing was this giant sense of relief because all I had were problems that needed to be fixed. I, I mean, one day I will write a book about it because it was like the dumbest problems that no one could figure out how to fix, which I could have. But, um, and so at first it was relief and then it was a sense of quiet and I'm not a person that likes quiet. And honestly, two days, I thought I was going to stay in bed with my head under the covers, you know, cause it's emotional and it's sad. And, you know, but there you was said a, shiva a little bit, you know, there was a bunch of things that were happening at the time that were, you know, not, not good. And, and, you know, I don't. I'll save that for my book when I'm in my eighties, but I just, it was a weird time and I had to deal with the emotional part. And, you know, I, I told, like I told a few people because we had to work things out, you know, and it was, it was complicated. So emotionally I went through things and I started kind of reaching out to people I was really close to. And of course my, my girlfriend's And um, one of my friends who happens to own Lord and Taylor and Sachs, said, this is the best news I heard. Let's do something. And I'm like, all right, what do you want to do? And he offered me a a just Bobby department in Lord and Taylor, because at the time he was trying to fix Lord and Taylor. So we I had to get permission, by the way, to do this. So because I don't own the name Bobby Brown. Right. I got permission and I started working on this project, which I did for a year. And then Lord and Taylor, I think, sold to WeWorks and you know, that went down. And I took it digitally. So then I kind of just took it to the next thing. And I I didn't stop working. I mean, my husband bought a property and he's a developer and a businessman. He said, Let's turn it into a hotel. I said, Okay. I didn't know how to make a hotel, neither did he. We have this great boutique hotel called the George. Montclair and you know it was it was a fun project. When was it that you had this idea for
0: Jones Road and you were like I need to start another makeup line and did you have a
1: non-compete that you couldn't start a makeup another makeup line for a certain period of time? I had when we sold the company I had a 25 year non-compete right 25 years because when we sold the company I was in my early 30s and I counted on my fingers because I always got D's in math um That, oh, my gosh, I'm going to be in my 60s. I'm not going to want to work then. And, um, you know, when I left the brand, I had four and a half years. So the first thing I did is go out and buy a necklace that um, had an ampersand on one side and the other side, the date my non-compete was up because it's hard to have a non-compete and not be in beauty. So I launched Jones Road the day my non-compete came up. Okay, so wait, I know you're going to ask yeah. me. So I didn't have an idea for Jones Road. I left, I didn't know what I was going to do, but I realized how much I loved makeup. So I went back into the studio being a makeup artist. I got hired by the India Makeup Show to be the first makeup artist to ever like do these keynotes, which was amazing, and then Masterclass called me to do to be the, you know, the first beauty Makeup master, and so I filmed you know these this amazing class, and I realized how much I missed what I was doing. But I knew that I didn't want to do it the way it's, it it had been done. I wanted nothing the same. I want you
0: to talk a little bit about Jones Road and why it's different for those people who are listening who don't know anything about it. Because if you open up my drawer, it's all Jones. I mean, it's Aww. it's literally like, I'm not kidding. I love it. I love what it stands for. I love that there's like nothing in it and it's clean. And I love how I look. And I will tell you that I, I too do not love wearing a ton of makeup. I told you I'm going to get my makeup done for TV after this. And I kind of cringe when I, when that happens and they put all the makeup on me, I know it has to be done, but I like a clean look every day. And oftentimes people tell me I look a lot younger than I am because of that. And so I'd love for you to share the notion of what Jones Road Beauty is and and let let everyone know because everyone should buy
1: it. So personally, well, when I left the company and I was doing all these fun things and realizing I missed, you know, all the things about doing makeup, I also personally, first of all, I, I looked better because I didn't have as much stress. So I realized how much better I looked with less makeup. And it was the first time I wasn't tied to any makeup. And I literally stopped using Bobby Brown the day I left. And I realized, started realizing how it looked too much like makeup on the face, even all those formulas that, you know, I was part of I'm like, it looks like makeup. So I looked better without it. And it was also the first time that I was able to go buy other people's makeup and the clean makeup was just starting. I also went back to school and got my degree as a health as a health coach. So I I was cleaning up my diet, cleaning up things, and it's not that I wanted and I still don't want to be known for being a clean part of the clean revolution. I want to be known for formula, but I wanted to be able to see what was possible. I didn't know what was possible. I needed to find all new labs and I kind of dug in and I realized I wanted to teach women how good they look when they don't look like they're wearing makeup. And Jones Road is really the brand. If you want to look if you want to look covered and contoured, you're not going to like Jones Road. If you want to look like yourself, but so much better, you'll like Jones Road. Were you nervous to launch this? Like the day your non-compete is
0: up and you're launching a brand new brand, like how do you feel about that?
1: Well, I was nervous and I was excited. So everything had to be like under wraps for so long. And, you know, there was definitely sniffing around from, you know, legal teams. Um, But I wasn't doing anything wrong because I wasn't selling anything. So it was, you know, the anticipation of how much trouble I'd get into, number one, the excitement of saying, guys, this is so cool. I'm really excited about it. But then the nerves about, oh, my God, what if people think it's, you know, the emperor's new clothes. What if people, you know, don't like the unmarketed, unfancy package, low prices. Like, what if, what if I'm a one hit wonder? I mean, all those things are normal. So, of course, you know, I'm still in disbelief how well it's doing and how much people love it. Um, exactly, you know, the way it is.
0: From a business standpoint, how are you doing things differently this time?
1: Oh my God, it's completely different. It's the same, but it's different. I mean, you have an idea for something, you ideate it. Okay, that's the same. You go into a lab and have them work on the formulas. I now have I now have three people on my product development team. You know, I had one at, at the old company. I must've had, you know, 20 people on product development and marketing. And nothing could be done without marketing and briefs here. It's just I go like this. I flap my my tongues and my lips and things get started. And then uh, it's not over marketed. It's not over packaged. And it's something that I just adore. Like if I don't love it and adore it, I don't worry about what piece of the pie it's solving and what, you know, is happening in the market and to be competitive I just ignore all that stuff. And and you
0: you can tell how much you adore it. Yeah. from All of your communication. And that's, I think what people, what draws people to it and to you even more so than before. Sorry for interrupting you. No,
1: no, no. It's fine. Honestly, when I left the company, I thought, oh my God, you know, you get used to those things where you do the, you know, interviews and people ask you, where do you like to travel? What do you eat for dinner? Like that was just part of my life. And I'm like, Well, I guess no one's going to want to know what I ate. And and I thought, all right, my, you know, I don't exist. And honestly, Bobby Brown, the person became a brand apart from Bobby Brown, the brand. And I know there's some people get confused, but it's to me, it's like a completely different stratosphere now, Bobby, the person and Bobby, the brand.
0: I want to talk about that a little bit because one of the things that you did early on in your career prior to the sale of your company was you became an expert on the Today Show. And I talk a lot about, often I talk a lot about separating your personal brand from your brand because it's so important to build that expertise and to educate. And I mean, that truly, I think, helped lay the foundation for a lot of what you did early on. How are you doing that now? Because this isn't a namesake anymore. And obviously, you've you built your your name, and everyone knows who Bobby Brown is. But how, like how do you manage that now? It's a little bit different when it's Bobby Brown, the person Bobby Brown, the makeup. but now it's Bobby Brown, the person Jones wrote the the makeup
1: right. It's, you know, sometimes it's complicated, you know, especially when you're on a TV show and they write Bobby Brown's here next with the looks of the season. And you know, I'm sure people expect something. But you know what? So that's awareness. And every once in a while, you know, when I realize that they have taken the old logo to put my name up there, you know, I'm always scrambling saying, guys, take that down. Because that really does send the wrong message. Um, you know, I, I sold my name. I don't own it. It is my name. And, I can, and I'm not going to change it. So, um, you know, it's always an opportunity. But, but think about it. When I went on the Today Show, and I was the beauty editor for 14 years, once a month I went on, I never talked about my brand. I only talked about I I was there to teach. You know, I took it very serious that I was, you know, I had this platform, which I didn't know was a platform at the time, to really reach people to teach them how to put makeup on, to be the to be the teacher. And how do we do it now? We go on TikTok. We go on YouTube. We have social media and that has been even more than the audience of the Today show. So you know, this week, last week, I was on the Today show, um, two segments. Yesterday, I was on Elvis Duran Radio God, two segments. And you know, I'm sure there's so many things on social that I, I kind of bankroll a lot of them. I've learned that once, you know, if I do a bunch at once, it's less stressful than as the team needs it. And by the way, I can get a blowout. <laughs> and you know, no, I, I could make myself look cute, and then I do them. I love that you
0: shared that because that is something that I say often and to my clients in my classes here on Dear Founder is the importance of sharing your expertise, teaching and not focusing on your product. You don't always have to be selling right. because when you
1: share your expertise, it sells itself. Right. Right. Yeah, Education and passion will sell things. And I've, by the way, I meant I have mentored my sister who is a Pilates instructor. She's a massage therapist. And she's a health coach. And now she's, I think she just got her degree in functional nutrition. And, and it's not, it's really, it's not about the products that she's chosen to sell. It's about how she could help people. And so I've, you know, and she's been doing a phenomenal job, but no one knows what to do in the beginning. Right. I mean, and you just, and it's not even that there's like a way to do it. You just got to do it.
0: Oh, yes. Yes.
1: It's like, I can't tell you what to do. Just do it.
0: Yes, thank you for saying that. yeah, another thing that you have that I've heard you say often is about you you talk about losing control of the details and how important the details are. And I too felt like that um I did I felt like that when my company was bought, i a lot of the details and a lot of what made up the importance of my company w- was lost, and I was dealing with a lot of shit, like you were like fixing problems all day, and I wasn't in the details anymore. How are you maintaining that level of detail with Jones Road? And and are you?
1: Well, I mean, I was in all those details, but but it was exhausting. And then eventually I did lose the very end. I lost track of the details because there were so many dysfunctional things where people would say, if you don't approve this concealer today, we're going to miss this year. And I'm like, I'm not approving it because I've never seen it before. And now that I'm looking at it, I hate it guess what? They launched it anyways. That's when I knew I was done. I'm like, this is not right for the brand. I hate it and go ahead, launch it. And I was done. So, you know what? We have a very small team. We have a really young team and we have, you know, the details do matter, but I have really taught all the diff, the heads of all the different departments, what and when to come to me and make sure I see it I don't care if you have to print it out. I don't care if you have to text it, make sure I see it. And once I see it and like it, then you don't have to show it to me again. So, you know, I've learned that because I've been doing this for so long.
0: And that's an important lesson to share though, like that level of when to let it go and when to make sure that you're in it. And it is exhausting to be in it and to bear the brunt of the whole kit and caboodle all the time. I mean, it's,
1: but i so appreciate relationships at work because you know even the girl that does my emails like in the beginning she showed me everything she barely shows me things now and our emails are i think amazing and every once in a while i'm like you know what maybe we could have done this but it's all it's okay but if i didn't like it i'd be all over her junk <laughs> you know it's the same thing with some of the other people that work for me and you know my head of marketing my chief marketing officer um unbeknownst to me is my son so it's quite extraordinary to you know to 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 really work with my my own child that is one of the smartest people I've ever worked with in marketing it's kind of crazy and his wife is my head of social so Um, My daughter-in-law, who is now uh, the parents of my first grandchild.
0: I, I well, that was going to be one of my questions. Well, I wanted to say
1: congratulations because one, and
0: and one of the things that I wanted to ask you was how do you, how did you build this empire while building a family? That's a really hard. Yeah. I mean, you were talking about your one pot meal. And and as you were saying that, I'm laughing in my head. My husband's traveling right now. My house is in disarray. Mm -hmm. I'm in between childcare. I get it. Like, I get it. I have two kids and and it's really hard to build a business while you're building a family. It's
1: hard, but I also spend as much time on my family as I do on my business. And I realized, oh my God, every Saturday I was running around like a nutcase buying birthday gifts for parties. And I'm like, okay, stop. And I went to the local bookstore and I bought five and $10 gift certificates that I kept in my drawer. And guess what? It saved me an hour and it saved me angst. My one, my one pot meal was I would buy on Sunday, I would go shopping. I'd buy a cooked organic chicken at Whole Foods. And I would, when I got home while it was still warm, I tore off all the, all the meat, <clears throat> put it in a Tupperware. And then I would make a big thing of pasta, plain pasta. And then I would have frozen peas and Rayo's tomato sauce. And so in five minutes, I could take a bowl, put it all in, mush it together, microwave it probably, and serve it with some cheese and cracked pepper. And guess what? Everyone got dinner.
0: Bobby, I buy that chicken every week,
1: and I do. Right. I do the same. thing. Right, but if you take the meat off, it's yes. not as hard.
0: Well, I, I buy the chicken, I take the meat off, it's I really make a funny. chicken. I make chicken salad, and then I keep the rest to use in pastas yeah. and other in yeah. salads and other yeah. things. So it's yeah. definitely so a hack. <laughs> but, but now, though, working with your son and your daughter-in-law. I mean, that that is an amazing thing. And it's also, you know, it can be tricky too. I don't think it's tricky in this regard when I see your face and no one can see your face right now because we're talking on audio. Um, you're obviously very proud of that. And you're so happy and excited about that. How is going to work with your family every day?
1: Well, I'm not going to lie. Everything's a challenge, you know, and you have to learn. And, you know, look, I'm 65 years old. I have so much experience and I'm working with, you know, 30 something year olds. That have different experience. So, you know, you learn, first of all, how to talk to each other because I can't, I learned that I can't really talk to my son and my daughter in law the way I would talk to an employee, right? Things have to be different. And my son, you know, would, I don't know how he learned this, but he's like, Mom, do you want to hear some feedback about the meeting? And I'd be like, you know, in the beginning, I'm like, Are you frigging kidding me? You're telling me that I did this and this. And you know what? I push myself back once I get over the, you know, insult. And then I'm like, you know what? It's good feedback. And he's right. And so I've learned and I've been able to like evolve most of the time. That that's
0: amazing. And it's amazing to admit that you are learning from your kids. Right. And I I the other thing too is they watched you grow up doing this. Right. And this was a part of their life forever. And Probably early on, you didn't realize the impact that you were making on them. Mm -hmm, Right. And and now here you are and your your son is telling you what to do. And a lot of it is probably what he learned watching you.
1: But yes, and he's evolved because now he knows the things that I say. What if we do it this way? He listens to it. And it's not that he says yes or no. He's like, okay, what if we do it this way then? So. So he's showing me that I have value with my experiences and my thoughts, but there's a new way of doing it, which is honestly why Jones Road has, I mean, it's been a blowout success. Financials are ridiculous. Our you know, products our, are selling
0: out. <laughs> our Our products are
1: selling out. We're making them as fast as we can. We are saying no to retailers everywhere because we don't want to be in retail. We are, you know, starting slowly to open, you know, freestanding stores, but digital is still has so much more growth that we're not, you know, we're we're running as fast as we can and we're just doing things like scrappier. What's the goal with with this? What's the end goal? Do you want to sell it like you did well, your first company? Well, it's so funny you say this because everyone asks me, I don't have an end goal because if I sold it, what would I do? Like, honestly, this is what I do. So, you know, I think about what else I would do. You know, I mean, I'm 65. I have another five years. You know, I could look in five year chunks. Like, am I going to want to be going on TikTok at 70? I don't know. You know, um, but I can't think that far ahead. You know, do I want to have a little more time to not be stressed? Yes. What would I do at that time? I would try not to fill it. Right. I would just give myself more time so I don't always have piles all over my house and things to do. You know, I would have some time to quietly put things away, but I don't want to play golf and I don't want to play cards. And, you know, I exercise and go to hip hop and I'll meet a friend on occasion for lunch. That's my that's it.
0: The best part, there's no contract. You can purchase their services as needed on a monthly basis. Use the code FOUNDHER and save 50% off your first month of services. Give them a try. The decision to outsource this part of my business has surely saved me a ton in the long run, and it was the best decision I've made for my business. You added, you you mentioned this, but I want to talk about this because I know that this is probably one of your greatest, if not your greatest accomplishments, but you added a new role to your life and to your resume this year as a grandma. And I I am sure that that is the most fulfilling experience that you've ever had. And one, congratulations, because watching you on Instagram with your granddaughter is awesome. I, I, I love seeing that content, but two, I'd love for you to talk a little bit about it.
1: Well, you know, it's so interesting for anyone that's listening that's my age or thinking about when they're my age or remembering when they were my age that I turned 65 in April. When I left the last company, I was 59. Point, you know, 7 or something. So I had not turned 60 yet and I turned 60 and then I launched the brand when I was 62 and then I turned 65 and what happened at 65, I got Medicare. Okay. Which is really like aggravating because it's so difficult. I turned 65 and then I have a grandkid. So I, you know, I still feel really young in my head. I feel young in my body. Most days Um, I do more than I should. And sometimes my body, you know, is telling me that, but, and then you're a grandma. So I think of a grandma as someone who's, you know, like my grandmother was, you know, she was a nice little short old lady. But I'm not that. But I am. So I'm kind of like, okay. The good things about being in your six in your 60s is you just know so much. You still have enough energy and you know openness to have this really fulfilling life. You know, my family, my friends are healthy. But then you get this grandkid, and I and then it's just like freaky. And it's not just freaky for having the grandkid, but watching your kid be a father is the most amazing, rewarding thing. I mean, you know, I just, he'll always be my, my child, my second son, but he's, you know, he's become honestly one of my confidants in life. And, um, he's, you know, I've, I'm learning a lot from all three of my sons, which is really neat.
0: When you think about your sons and your grandchild and your potential future grandchildren, what, what's the legacy you want to leave them?
1: Um, you know, i just I really love that my family still wants to be with us. They want to travel with us, they want to come for dinner we're you know we don't go days without talking. we don't go weeks without seeing each other. So my legacy is that I built this really wonderful family that had you know and and it's and it grows it's extended. my new in-laws are in it they're her brother, and you know my new I don't even know what she is, his wife. Now, I don't know. I guess my sister-in-law, like all these things. And it's like, it's just the, it's a posse. You know, I was born into a family and now I have my own. So it's, it's interesting. And I want my family to realize all the great things that they were able to be exposed to, you know, being the children of me and my husband.
0: One of the things that you said in that first interview that I heard you in was, the notion of being fulfilled, and that was really just all you wanted was you wanted a fulfilling life
1: with your family and friends, and are you fulfilled? Oh, my cup has run its over. <laughs> I mean, probably most of my problems these days are um, how to manage things and how to keep things uh, in order, and I have a business coach that I've been too busy to even like schedule an appointment with, so that kind of tells you something who said something to me she said you can't be good at your job until you're good at your life and i'm like what are you talking about she said you need to get your human scaffolding in order and that was i was like what is that and she goes you know it's the things that hold you up so it's not it's everything it's from your childcare to your housekeeper to all the support for you to do your job better and she's right i've got to work on some of those things to strengthen them
0: Oh, and that's so important. And I, I love that you said that because when we talk about entrepreneurship and we talk about your team, I often say it's not just your team in the office. It's your team in your life. Right. And all of those things that you just mentioned are so important in keeping you together on a day-to-day basis. You Thank know, you for a, saying that. Yeah,
1: as is my chiropractor, my hair colorist, my hairdresser, you know, my whole team instructor, my <laughs> trainer. It's like, honestly, it's like, You know, and and now that we're spending time in Florida, like all, you know, 60 something year old Jewish people end up doing. I'm like, I got to build a new team because it's hard to not have them. Yes, of course. Is there a next? I don't want to say what's next, but is there a next? Of course, I, I don't know what it is. I don't even know, you know, what it would be. You know, it could be a philanthropic. It could be another. Who knows, you know? I, I really I don't know. And I that's what really drives me is not knowing and doing things I have no idea how to do.
0: So I always end my conversations with the same question. And I feel like you could have a whole episode based on <laughs> based on this question because there's so much to learn and take away from you. I'm like hanging on your every word, but I always end with three actionable tips for aspiring entrepreneurs or female founders that they can take away from this conversation? And I think maybe for you, better yet,
1: reactionable tips for starting that 2.0. Well, first of all, I'm going to start number one with health. Because if you, you know, people always say, well, how are you able to do so much? I take really good care of my health. What goes on the inside of my body. It's not just the way I look on the outside. So it's more important how I feel than how I look. And that's hard for people to understand coming from a makeup artist, beauty expert. So, health is first. Number two is positivity. Just work on what, work and realize and pay attention to what really drives you, what makes you happy. You know, that's really important. And number three is just putting in actionable steps, like, and they're different for everybody. So, figuring out what it is you could do. And it could be as simple as, you know, inviting people over to your house for tea and telling them about a new project you have. That's called market research. Like it doesn't mean, you know, there's not a big mountain you have to go over. There's steps you have to take to reach the mountain. And once you reach the mountain, you got to find another mountain.
0: Bobby Brown, thank you so much for taking the time in December during your busiest time of year to talk to me and to share this knowledge and to share this wisdom. And so much of what you say, I agree with, I say, I share, and there's just, there's no question as to why I'm so drawn to you and everything it is, everything that it is that you do. So thank you
1: so much. I so appreciate you. Oh, my pleasure. This went by really quickly. Usually I'm looking at my watch saying, when am I going to be able to do something? And it went really quickly. So oh, I'm great. so glad. Yeah, you're really you're really good at this, by the way.
0: Oh, thank you. Yeah, thank That means like, oh, yeah. my God, coming from you. That means so much. You have no idea.
1: Yeah, I, you're, I mean, you're no, but honestly, I've done three or four podcasts. I've had myself and I'm thinking about doing another one. I'm like, I'm not as good as you are. Like, you're really good at this. Oh, my God, Bobby. And yeah. I got that on re- record. Yeah, well, that's I said it. So you had the option to use it or not, but I'm serious.
0: Thank you. That You have no idea how much that means because this this project, not an accident, you know, nothing's an accident. I really wanted to do it. I love sharing stories, but I I, I was unsure very much how you were like, you know, I was like, oh, are people going to love it? And people do. And I love it. And for me, it like, this is my cup runneth over. Uh, Truly. I mean, the, this podcast has connected me to so many incredible people. I mean, I never would have imagined sitting uh, here with you. you know in july of 2021 when i was like dying from leaving my company so i I mean really truly that means you have no idea how much i'm glad i'm glad wow right i even listening back to this conversation i am still like i said pinching myself that it even happened I hope that you enjoyed today's conversation as much as I enjoyed having it. I truly was hanging on Bobby's every word. It's really hard not to. And honestly, despite her tremendous success and the career she built and how well-known and famous she is all over the globe, once I got over the fact that I was actually sitting down with Bobby Brown, sitting down with her felt totally normal. She makes you feel absolutely so comfortable as always, I'll be sending out the takeaways from today's conversation to our newsletter. So you're going to want to make sure that you subscribe in the show notes. You'll also get a lesson every single week on how to grow your business. But for now, here are my top five takeaways from today's conversation with Bobby Brown. Number one, what is entrepreneurship? It's making shit up. Number two, Even someone as big as Bobby Brown has imposter syndrome when they start something new. Imposter syndrome is a real thing. You will doubt yourself when you put something new out into the world or when you start something new, but you have to put it out into the world and find out if it's really going to work. Number three, utilize your expertise and your personal brand to teach and build authority. Bobby Brown did this early on as the beauty editor on the today show. Today you do that on TikTok and YouTube and other social media that has been even more that has been able to give entrepreneurs and founders and brand owners and influencers and influentials, even more of an audience than that of the today show. Number four, spend as much time on your family as you do on your business. Find the hacks, find the shortcuts, make those one pot meals, buy gift cards for birthday parties and keep them in your drawer but spend as much time on your family as you do on your business. And number five, put in actionable steps. Figure out what you can do to move forward. It's not a big mountain, it's steps you have to take in order to reach that mountain. Thank you again to Bobby Brown for being here. And thank you to all of you for listening. Buckle up and get ready. Dear Founder Season Two is going to be bigger and better than you could have ever expected. If you like what you heard on today's episode, please leave a rating or review. It helps us to share these stories with even more people and it helps others to discover Dear Found Her and what we're all about. Thank you for listening and thank you for being here. I know you have a lot of options when it comes to podcasts. Stay tuned for another episode of Dear Found Her coming your way every Tuesday and Thursday.